All right. So I kind of had uh, some difficulties with coming up with titles for this one. First one I thought of was Mindless Sig Your Indulgence, but I don't really like that one. Ooh. So then I cheated a little bit, and I think I want to go with The Chimera Hunter. The Chimera Hunter. I, that's the I best like, I can do. That should be the new name of this podcast. The Chimera Hunter. The Chimera Hunters. Oh, because there's be, two of yeah, us. Yeah, we should be the Chimera. <laughs> the Chimera Hunters. Or what if I called it The Chimera Hunter and that other guy? In that other guy. And then we can leave it up to the audience <laughs> to figure out which one of us is the Chimera which Hunter and which one of us is the other guy. Every episode is, has we can a little switch off cute, who's the Chimera Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little teasers and clues, some interactive mystery for the people listening. So, hello. Welcome to Shuffle episode 23. Uh, please make 23? sure to listen to MJ, the. MJ, baby! Is that Sorry. Michael Jordan's number? Michael Jackson's favorite number. And then Michael Jordan adopted it for the Bulls as tribute to Michael Jackson. My two favorite MJs. Yeah. That's the name of my um, autobiography, by the way. <laughs> my, two my two favorite, favorite MJs. <laughs> and one of them's a drug. <laughs> it's the kicker. And then the other one's Michael J. Fox. <laughs> the other one is, yeah, Michael J. Fox. I just dropped the F. It's a real twist. All right. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. And I would like to state that it has been 10 episodes since our last icp incident, Ooh. Our one and only icp incident. Man, I thought you were a serious fan. What happened? I've, I've fallen off the bandwagon. You need to download some more of their music. I should. Come on, yeah. I should. Come on. All right. Let's hop into our, our first track, Where the Road Parts by The Deer Hunter. Off of the 2007 album Act 2, The Meaning of and All Things Regarding Misleading. The Deer Hunter is a progressive rock band originating in Providence, Rhode Island, known for its wide variety of instrumentation and musical styles, hence prog rock. Prog rock. Exactly. Well, it began... The only rock. Well, wouldn't it just be called rock then? Yeah, it's just called rock. But, you know. <laughs> uh, the, the, the project began as a side project of Casey Crescenzo, formerly of the post-hardcore emo band The Receiving End of Sirens. He intended it to be a vehicle for music he wrote but felt didn't fit in with the sound of The Receiving End of Sirens. He says, quote, the idea was to take the creative overflow from the receiving end of sirens and bottle it up into something that I could keep with me. There was never a plan to take it on the road or to release it. It was only when th it's only when things with them started to go awry that I was given the opportunity to really make it into a, a traditional sort of thing. Most of the band's discography is dedicated to telling the story of the deer hunter. So I believe they have like eight albums so far, and six of those eight are a continual story. They're all concept <laughs> albums with a grand overarching story. Of the deer them. hunter, but deer. D-E-A-R. That's annoying. Yes. <laughs> Strike one. There's already, there's already a band called Deer Hunter, though. Yeah, but this is, yeah, fine. Strike one. Strike one. Is the story about hunting a deer, or is it about like well, someone's deer hunting you, my deer? You know, it's 
It's is, my dear. It is tip of the hat. My it's dear. whatever. <laughs> the story is as. It's hard to kind of. Milady. Milady hunters. Yes. Every album has a mini fedora on the corner <laughs> yeah. of it. It's a hologram where you switch it in the All right. fedora. Well, I can already guess what Dominic thought of this track. <laughs> I love it. The fedora tips with the little. The Milady Hunter. <laughs> the Milady Hunter. Uh, so yes. is that someone who hunts people who say Milady then? Good like point. the Neckbeard Hunter? They're not that. They haven't gotten the that far. The 4chan Hunter? <laughs> no, they haven't gotten that far. Okay. They're just Milady folk. <laughs> Milady folk. So when Casey began to work on the band's first studio album, he revealed his intentions to release a six-album story set at the dawn of the 20th century. The story revolves around the birth, life, and abrupt death of a boy known only as the Deer Hunter. Mm, Casey has remarked that the protagonist is, quote, not a hero at all. I do not think he does a single good thing or smart thing in any of the stories. Hmm. As Casey summarized, quote, the story begins with the birth of the main character. The first act is really about the relationship of the mother and son and what she has to go through to keep him alive and thriving. She decides to raise him removed from the harsh realities of life and tries to abandon her life as well. But her her selfishness soon turns her back to her old habits and she ruins herself for him, end quote. So far... All but the sixth act of the story has been released. So acts one, two, three, four, and five have been released. Have you heard them all? I've listened to one through three. Is it like a? Is it? Do they use the whole concept album loosely, or is it like pretty like? Like if you really mind it, you could get like a plot. No, it's. I will say, while it's not like on the nose. Yeah. It's not like crazily obscure either like if you put in the effort to listen to it you will get the story wow (laughs) i mean essentially based off of acts one through three a guy is raised by a prostitute and then he kind of like falls in love with prostitutes and he has like this like weakness but then he's really insecure so then it leads to all these problems with him like falling in women who give themselves to other men and him not being able to handle it which is slightly biographical of Casey, I guess. Really? I don't know like how much. So this album, Act 2, The Meaning of and All Things Regarding Misleading, is the second story of this deer hunter. It um it reached it actually reached number thirty nine on the built top the Billboard two hundred Heat Seekers chart. And Act Two begins with the death of the main character's mother. Miss Terry, I guess is her name. Following her death, he travels to a nearby bordello in hopes of finding and learning more about his mother and the life she loved as a prostitute, as he himself was the product of her profession. He eventually finds love in a prostitute named Misleading, but the relationship eventually falls apart due to his inability to cope with her chosen profession. Mm. So, The album features five songs re-recordings from the deer hunters first demo so the very first demo he ever did was this album called deer misleading misleading you know like ms dot leading but misleading 
Yeah, he's really clever. Uh-huh. Uh, Dear Misleading was a series of songs Casey wrote based off of a personal experience that he had with a relationship gone wrong. Though he has stated that the arc of falling in love with a prostitute is not based on any experience he actually had. So my guess is he got really bitter and was calling her, you whore, you yeah. broke my heart. But and she was being misleading. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, lady. <laughs> no, I'm... <laughs> no. Do they all wear fedoras when they play live? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, their guitars are fedoras, too. <laughs> yeah. And there's two guitars. That would be so good. Or, like, you know what would be cool is if, like, you know, the at the head of the guitar, you have it hooked up to, to the fedora. That just constantly tipped throughout yeah, the whole Yeah, and you got, night. like, a button. You know, like, there's, like, the wah-wah, but you got a button that oh, yeah. just, like, the whammy tips bar, the but yeah. it tips the fedora. But it tips the head. <laughs> Actually, that would be great. The whammy bar synchronizes with tipping heads so it's like yeah ee- and they can headbang but by headbanging they just keep <laughs> yeah. tipping the fedora over and yeah, over again. yeah 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 uh, sorry so he also stated that the band had originally wrote 120 minutes worth of music for the album but managed to trim it down to 80 minutes to avoid having to release a double disc album wow I appreciate that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't even hate it that much. But just, <laughs> you just want thanks, to hate man. it. Hey, thanks. <laughs> so this track, Where the Road Parts. Uh, are you done yet? <laughs> they walked right into that one. I got to say, come on. All right. Yeah, get good noise. Uh, yeah. So that's their Sloan Rodney Dangerfield. Your dad will appreciate it. Dominic, only one who's Dominic and my dad are really close. <laughs> they get each other. He knows Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Come on, that's yeah. a little. And Dominic's also a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. Yeah, the <laughs> Margaret Margaritaville. <laughs> oh yeah, that old classic, a classic old chestnut. Old, yeah, a little classic jingle. All right, so this track. All right, back to the dear old boys. Where are this, <laughs> the dear old boys. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Where the Road Parts. This song is one of the tracks that was actually originally on that first The Deer Hunter demo. But at the time it was called You Were the One Who Didn't Fold, which is a line repeated in this song. Uh, The line, You Were the One Who Didn't Fold, can also be found in a song by his old emo band, The Receiving End of Sirens, called Armistice. So this is a track that he's been working on for years is kind of the takeaway I got from it. The the story of the song takes place in the aftermath of the protagonist of the story finding misleading with another man and his realization that he is not strong enough to continue the relationship with her due to her profession. So this is basically him coming to terms with I can't be in a relationship with a prostitute. Mm Mm-hmm. He's basically ending the relationship with her because he knows that the thought of her being with other men will break him eventually. So let's get down to it. What did you actually think of this track? (laughs) If you can remove the context I just gave you, if you can go back in time to when you would just listen to the song, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like, okay, so this song to me existed. There's like three genres going on here that this inhabits and i have it's kind of prog rocky so so yes no no so so okay so there's like i feel like there's punk there's punk just the most basic element of punk whatever it is and pulling at it is emo which i feel like kind of 
right? It's yeah. borrowing from and reusing punk aesthetic. And then there's prog rock, which has its own conventions that is is also pulling at the punk. And so I so it's like a hybrid emo prog rock with a tiny bit of punk and I just couldn't figure out if I, I could not say that technically this was a bad song but there was no like a friction you know what I mean there were no hard edges there was so much going on there was instruments layers and lyrics and the voice and tempo changes but I just I just uh, I don't know maybe I was just being lazy but like I it was just soft there it was all those round edges there's nothing I don't know because well, with prog rock I'm just gonna go on and on and on okay because with prog rock I expect like something and with emo even I expect something and with punk I do too some kind of edge or friction but okay. I felt like it kind of just skimmed off a little bit I don't know but it's just one song no that's I don't know it wasn't bad though it wasn't bad it just didn't like it wasn't like remarkable or noteworthy yeah. it didn't stick out to you right it was which, forgettable which kind of surprised me just because it was a mix of genres that i honestly don't know if i've ever heard before so maybe i should listen to it again but because usually prog rock is in its own universe i think i don't unless this is kind of like a common... fedora tipping milady people <laughs> listen to prog rock yeah maybe Kind of like I always just think of like Rush, Rush as prog or rock, yeah. Fucking Dream Theater, yeah, bullshit. yeah. <laughs> I hate Dream Theater so much. Wait, do you? I hate you. Dream hate Theater. like okay, yeah, like uh, prog rock stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Even, I don't have anything against prog rock, especially like prog metal. Yeah, like, prog. between the buried and me, I love, but there's just something so. I hope we don't have a bunch of Dream Theater fans. There's something so pompous and indulgent about yeah, Dream that Theater. Is. It just it pisses me off. See, I actually, I just like Googled about prog rock. Like, I like Rush. Something... I do like Rush. Yeah, I like Rush yeah. too. But I think like prog rock, its reputation actually is that it is kind of pretentious. And actually, some people who do prog rock actually embrace that title because sure. they're because they like admit they're trying really hard to like appease people with finer taste sure and not the working class folk who just like you know the rough sounds and then apparently like in the 80s especially in like britain punk punk drew some of its energy precisely in reaction to that they thought prog rock was oh, yeah, like they wanted to play shitty on yeah the so purpose. they're like and it's, so it's like nothing but hard edges whereas prog rock is like dynamically has no friction <laughs> to me it's just sure. like <laughs> no and i can i can respect that totally in this because like when this song opens up with the, that sounds like prog metal the opening kind of guitar sounds like steve Vai. i really love like, that kind yeah of which is noodling impressive. guitar yeah, it's impressive yeah that's impressive but then that kind of instrumentation drops off for quite a bit and there's actually like that guitarist with all that skill isn't really doing much. Well, for I don't think he can sing and play. Oh, he's—it's the vocalist. I'm pretty sure because yeah. he—he's yeah. like the constant main drive. Like he's the Trent Reznor mm-hmm. or uh, Kevin Parker of this project. Okay, where yeah. he—that's his name, right? From Tame Impala. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. He's—he's he's kind yeah. of like the constant member. From what, yeah. from my understanding, yeah. I might be wrong about that. At least when it began, but. I can understand and respect everything you said, but I love this song just because 
coming from a background of listening to some of the shittiest emo music. <laughs> this yeah, is like yeah. such finely crafted yeah. post mid 2000s emo music. Yeah. I did write that too. Yeah. I was like it's very it's like extremely mature emo music. Yes. It's and like it's yeah, just like yeah. that's I can't yeah. help but like fall in love with like the the deep rich qualities and like it took all the best parts of it and shed all of the, like the horrible cringe worthy parts yep. of it. Yeah. And it just kind of really I don't know. I I think these are some of the most emotive vocals I've heard, yeah. especially Yeah. The voice is yeah. way better than especially the average for emo most voice. emo music. Yeah. yeah, it's way better. I wrote that too. Yeah, I wrote. And yeah. It, yeah. it took the emotive and sensitive qualities exemplified by like mid 2000s emo music and made a and crafted it into like a much more emotionally intelligent and mature sound. Yeah. Yeah. While still kind of being a bit on the nose with its emotions, it's not as like fucking like some it, of like the horrible like census fail and Silverstein and Chiodo's bullshit. Yeah, it's way more, yeah, nuanced. Way more nuanced. And than, yeah, the average, I yeah. I really love the ending of the song. Like especially like when he kinda goes into that falsetto singing you were the only one who didn't fold that kinda comes in yeah. around like the two minute forty six mark. Yep, yep. I love the huge sounds of the music swelling up and the slightly strained, somewhat screaming delivery of the repeated lyric. Yeah. It almost got like explosions in the sky. So, yeah. I I recognize that this might not be for everyone. But for connoisseurs of the emo genre, yeah, I feel like it's yeah. a kind of a professional, mature-sounding example yeah. of that genre. Yeah, no, I would. Yeah, that's that's the best way to describe it. If you like emo music, this then you would really have a better ear, I think, for the nuance that's going on with genre. But if you don't, but I can understand you, yeah. how it's kind of like. Well, yeah, but it's if not you're looking bad, but if you're looking for prog rock that goes more like hard punk. Then, then your head, then it's almost like a bait and switch. Yeah. But if you're looking for emo, that then no, yeah. So you're right. I think you had the better ear to appreciate this because I kept listening to it and I was like, what exactly is it? I couldn't figure out what tradition it was working from. But if you're an emo fan, I think you would have the ears for this song. But if you're hard, if you're looking for like harder prog rock, then it's the well, and I also feel like if you are a fan or connoisseur of prog rock you're going to be let down because along with prog rock usually comes like virtuoso-esque technically proficient yeah. instrumentation like which, at the beginning the beginning where he's it, he is but quite, it drops off very quickly yeah and he's not like a virtuoso guitarist so you're not going to get that like like when you listen to rush you're listening to like yeah. masters of their craft yeah you're not going to find that here it takes slight bits from that but then it really leans into kind of the emo post-hardcore yeah. genre yeah. and kind of sheds the the prog rock vibe that yeah. it kind of begins with. So you're going to be disappointed if you're expecting traditional prog rock with yep. this song. Yeah. No, no, yeah, that's, yeah. I, yeah, I think I understand this song a little better. Not my flavor, but I understand it a little, a little better. You can yeah. respect the fedora a little yeah, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a half fedora. Half fedora. <laughs> it's a half fedora. Half, well, like, just in the back. Like in the end of Willy Wonka when he is at office with like half of everything. Like, yeah, it's, it's, like, a it's, it's a half fedora. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any other thoughts, comments about? No. This, yeah, or? I can't. I, 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 I couldn't. Yeah, my final word was like it's not a bad song, but 
for my ears, it, it didn't have the friction or the hard edge I was looking for. But that's coming from expect that was in the tra traditions as participating in maybe expecting a little bit more of like a hard like punk or extreme or prog metal yeah i feel like yeah. their audience is very specific like if you're not a like 25 to 30 year old who listened to emo music this probably isn't going to be for you like yeah. that that is the the demographic yeah. for this song but it is i did write this is like it it's extreme i couldn't decide was this like kind of half-baked prog or was it extremely mature emo because yeah if, if someone had said this is an emo song if from if someone had just framed this is emo i would be like that's the most like kind of mature like nuanced yeah. emo song i've probably ever heard yeah. i would say i wouldn't call it a half-baked prog song i'd say this is a dude who makes emo music, who likes prog music a yeah. lot, and try to take little bits of prog yeah. and sprinkle it onto his music. Yeah, yeah. That's no, the that best way sense. I can put it. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Let's move on to our next track, Revenge by Mindless Self-Indulgence, off the 2008 album If. Mindless Self-Indulgence is an American electropunk band formed in New York City. Their music has a mixed style, which includes punk rock, alt rock, electronica, techno, industrial hip hop, and breakbeat hardcore. Mm. Uh, they have been known to define themselves as electro punk jungle pussy or industrial jungle pussy punk. Is it all male? Is everyone in the band? No, two guys, two girls. Okay, two actually. guys, two girls. Okay, I was wondering. Actually, okay. little. Okay. Little connection. The bass player of the band, Lindsay, is married to Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance. Really? Wow. Yep. Wow. So there you go. Uh, they got huge in the early to mid 2000s during what I like to call the tech punk boom. Hmm. This is a Jared term. <laughs> so while Mindless Self-Indulgence saw the most mainstream success, many bands with a similar sound and vibe were also emerging onto the scene at the time. Mm -hmm. Bands such as Tubbering, Screaming Mechanical Brain, Retardo Bot, Foxy Shazam, Dog Fashion Disco, Romac, and the Space Pirates. I'm guessing some of you probably never heard of any of these bands. Yeah, I've never But <laughs> these were the quintessential <laughs> bands that myself and my friends obsessed over in high school oh. and while these bands maybe didn't make the exact same sound they all toured together which is how we got into all of them okay so it was a movement it was kind of like genre spanning genre defying sexual revolution in some ways <laughs> like really blurring the lines between straight and homosexual and I don't know. It was this really weird movement. It was kind of like um, the best way I could describe it is techno plus metal plus dick jokes plus nerd references plus mohawks plus liberty spikes plus hot topic. <laughs> Wait, that, say that one more time. So that's great. this tech punk boom. Techno plus metal techno plus, plus dick metal. jokes yeah. plus nerd references plus mohawks plus liberty spikes plus hot topic. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's this, you in a nutshell. No, that's kind of this the <laughs> the aesthetic yeah, of aesthetic. this. And mindless self indulgence is probably one of the only bands of this genre that kind of somewhat broke through to mainstream success. 
So if you haven't heard of Mindless Self Indulgence, you probably haven't heard of any of those other bands no. I listed. Yeah. I did actually. I had heard of because I used to do in a past life. You can believe it. I was on the radio <laughs> back in the in the last in the, the good old days in the in the final frontier of North Dakota. North Dakota radio. That's like anarchy, man. I'm telling this you. This is post and um, oil fields, North Dakota. Yeah, actually, this is pre. Probably. That's what I meant. I meant pre. Is I did not mean. I meant pre. It was pre, and then right when the boom happened, I it had was to like get out. right before the boom. It got too hot. Yeah. But uh, I would play mindless self-indulgent periodically to get requested. So I was a little familiar. Yeah, they but. got big for a while. Yeah. So their name is taken from a quote in an Anne Rand in Anne Rand's Atlas Shrugged, actually, which I didn't know. Yeah, I read that. I shouldn't have read that. That, was, I should have read that annoyed me. And Rand. Ugh. All right. The quote is... Her and Leo. They should just get a room. Is she still alive? No. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't no, like, no. know anything about Anne no, Rand other than she's like a conservative piece of shit. Yeah, she's hardcore. Libertarian. Mm. She's a libertarian. All right. So the quote, the name is taken from a quote in Anne Rand's Antlers Shrugged. The quote is, Achievement of your happiness is the only moral purpose of your life. And that happiness, not pain or mindless self-indulgence, is the proof of your moral moral integrity, since it is the proof and result of your loyalty to the achievement of your values. Also, fuck you, Ayn Rand. <laughs> Just you... You pompous piece of shit. That yeah, sentence yeah, yeah. made me want to puke just reading <laughs> that. God, wait, wait, wait. wait. The so, worst. what's their stance on her, actually? Is this just. I like think a... they just like the term mindless self indulgence. Yeah. Based yeah. on everything I know about the band, they are anti Anne Rand. Yeah, I would think they're so. Like, they're like anarchist punk. That's kind of their like whole okay. like disrupt the system, down with the man, fuck everything. Nothing is. They're like. They're like they wouldn't say it, but like just kind of nihilist. I believe in nothing. It's pure chaos. It's mindless. Mindless self-indulgence, self-indulgence is the best way to describe what they yeah, go for. E- yeah, just everything's just about sex and drugs and what you want to do and take what's yours and just you know get high and die young. <laughs> just live fast and die young. Okay. Don't care about tomorrow. Live in the now. That's kind okay. of their whole vibe. Okay. Between 1987 and 1996, Jimmy Uringer, who was the lead singer of the band, but his stage name is Jimmy Urin, <laughs> recorded about 35 songs, which varied in musical style, usually settling in an industrial electro-punk style, kind of akin to Nine Inch Nails, actually. And then in 1997, he recorded a cover of Method Man's Bring the Pain, which was made by merging six different styles of the same song, covered into one song and then this kind of became the basis for msi sound mm. msi is a little yeah acronym uh, an, an acronym for mindless yeah. self-indulgence i'll probably say msi a bunch shortly MSI. after this jimmy was joined by steve rye who became kind of the lead guitarist for the band and then eventually Lindsay, who is gerard's wife and then jimmy's cousin kitty plays drums hmm. and uh I, I, I will say that MSI was my my Jared's first real concert. Ah. And I I say real concert because you don't in think Weird Al Yankovic counts. What I be my Damn. real is this was my first concert on the floor in the middle of the mosh pit. Okay, yeah. that was my first fuck you up, <laughs> sweaty drunk rock concert. Like I was scared shitless 
because <laughs> anytime before that, I was in the seats. Yeah. I was watching the mosh pit from above. Yeah, I was yeah. I was in the shit for this concert. Your life is in danger. And it was fantastic. Nice. Uh, the show ended with Jimmy Urine on stage holding a sign that said, Kiss is $2. And anyone that wanted could go up and give him 2 bucks and do whatever you wanted to him. <laughs> My friend Luke went up and kissed him and grabbed his balls and Jimmy just took it. Wow. Are so, they still banned? I mean, they're still... They haven't put out music in a very long time, but yeah. they're not, like, officially broken up. Huh. Every once in a while, they'll put out an album. Huh. So, yeah, I, I believe they're still a band, as far as my knowledge. So, this album, If, was the fourth studio album by MSI. And in my personal opinion, this was around the time that MSI started to kind of go down a more accessible and friendly sound mm. route. Uh, there, a lot of their older material was very controversial, uh, dripping with explicit lyrics. This album hmm. was actually their first album that did not have an explicit content warning on it. Oh, they dropped wow. all the swear words. And I'm not sure if this was like a result of pressure from a label or if they wanted to like prove that you know they can make good they music without... Shock, yeah. yeah, if they weren't, didn't have to rely on shock yeah. and awe. But I don't know if it's because of the clean lyrics or maybe I'm just growing up or if their sounds kind of got old after four albums of kind of making very similar sounding music. But I kind of started. This is the album where I, I wasn't such a huge fan. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. A uh, little interesting note. Uh, Jonan Vasquez, the creator of the cartoon Invader Zim and the comic book Johnny and the Homicidal Maniac, did all of the album art for this album. Mm. Yeah. So this track, Revenge. Revenge seems to be from the perspective of a cheerleader girl in high school who uses gossip as a weapon. At mm -hmm. least that's what I took from it. It seems to be about a boy who slept with a bunch of girls on the cheerleading squad, and then they get back at him by spreading rumors about how he's gay or something. Oh, but Jared, it's about so much more. Oh? It's about life. All right, tell me, tell me what it's about. No, I'm kidding. I, I didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about it. <laughs> uh, this track, I would say, is a good example of a traditional MSI song. It has fast beats, lots, yeah, lots of falsetto vocals, varying vocal styles, lots of techno bleeps and bloops, distorted guitar. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would say that's missing from this is screaming. They like usually I said, scream. Yeah. yeah, there's usually a lot more screaming, and like I said, this is this album was a bit of a departure for them. So as well as leaving behind the swears, they stopped screaming as much. Yeah, they, I they think they were trying to make more of a friendly man. sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it was like maybe he was just hurting his vocals by screaming so much, but I would say this is a good example of an MSI song, except there's not screaming in it. Yeah. So I don't know. What What did you think of this track? Uh, it was from a just completely technical perspective. It was very interesting. They had a lot. I felt like there were a lot of different, like genre conventions they were playing around with, like industrial guitar going on, and then almost like just kind of like punk bass and rhythms, and then almost uh, sounded like dubstep at points. Uh, but. It was very mishmashed, and just from a personal perspective, it was a little annoying. It was kind of an annoying yeah, song. I didn't really like this song Be either. <laughs> the opening skit seemed completely pointless. Maybe it makes sense in context of the album, but uh, it, 
And then the na 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 was like I would have turned off their radio. And then the lyrics, yo, fuck me and my friends. Gothalicious with cheese. With cheese, that's like you lose me instantly. You lose me with that. So yeah, it was a little uh, like this song was enough for me to be like they had potential. So if if their earlier stuff was kind of more like maybe true to their vision artistically, I could believe it would actually be pretty compelling. Yeah. This was like scraps, and maybe that's what you kind of felt like too. It was like leftover scraps of of their good stuff, and there was nothing kind of dumbed down a little bit. Very dumbed bit, down. Yeah, yeah. Very that's dumbed it, down. Yeah, and the song was really repetitive, both yeah. lyrically and musically. Yeah. Like overall, it has high energy, but it, it doesn't go anywhere. That's exactly what I wrote. Yeah, it has high energy that goes nowhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. It's like wasted. And I, I feel like <laughs> yeah. they should have written more verses or changed the music a bit because it it sounds like it just loops and it's the same verse and refrain three times in yep. a row. Yeah, they could have written so many more lyrics for how long it is. Yeah. Like if you asked me to play you an MSI song, this would not be the song I'd play for you. This is yeah, yeah. this is like a horrible example of MSI music. It seems like it's like a first rough draft of what could be a really like compelling song. And then song. they just stuck it on the album. Yeah, but they yeah, just stuck it on. Cuz again, there were part like the guitar was almost like industrial rock at times later on in the song. Yeah. And then there were moments where it almost sounded like kind of like dubstep like the rhythm stuttered a little bit with like yeah. a big distortion. And the rhythm, they showed that they could like really mix it up rhythmically, but it was like they were just trying to really dumb it down. Like they were trying to make their music worse than they naturally would make it. It's like like they first did something good and then they were like, oh, we got to make it worse. And it's like knowing (laughs) what they can do is just extremely disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. In that, yeah, the lyrics are like stupid, (laughs) stupid, bordering on like. Like a, like, rapey. I don't know. Like, like I'm a tease. Fuck me and my friends. But I here's a little skin and taste. It's like, uh, and a guy singing it especially. I it was very off-putting. Yeah. And gothalicious with cheese. Those that might be the worst <laughs> sent lyric the worst I've heard this I've year. Read. That might be the worst lyric I've heard this year. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And I don't have too much else to say about it. No, except. I would believe their earlier stuff was good. Yeah. It, it, Check out yeah. their um their first album, Tight. Their second album, uh, Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy or something like that. <laughs> and then their third album, fuck, I can't remember the name of it. But check out their first three albums. Yeah. Definitely worth checking out. But let's move away from this. Okay, let's talk about Legia by New Order off the 1985 album Low Life. New Order are an English rock group who formed in 1980. Between 1977 and 1980, Ian Curtis, Peter Hook, Stephen Morris, and Bernard Sumner were members of the post-punk band Joy Division, until Ian Curtis, the lead vocalist, committed suicide on May 18, 1980, the day before Joy Division were scheduled to depart for the first American tour and just prior to the release of the band's second album, Closer. 
The rest of the band decided soon after Curtis's death that they would carry on, though prior to his death the band agreed not to continue under the name Joy Division should any member leave the band. Mm. So they needed to kind of rebrand themselves. Mm -hmm. The band's manager, Rob Gretton, is credited for having found the name New Order, and he found it in an article by The Guardian entitled The People's New Order of... Kampuchea? Kombucha? Kampucha? That's probably it. I like the drink, kombucha. K A M P U C H E A? Is that kombucha? I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe I typed that wrong. Mysterious. Uh, The group states that the name New Order, as was the case with Joy Division, does not draw a direct line to Nazism or fascism. (laughs) (laughs) Which. Wait, because New Order... Wait, what would be the exact connection? I, I guess Just the New Order would be the... The, the Reich? The Reich. Did they use that phrase? I, I don't the know. The New Order, probably. I, I mean, if they had to make a statement about yeah. it. Also, Joy Division. I don't know what that has to do with Nazism or fascism. Yeah. If if they had to say it, someone accused them of something. They probably, yeah. There's probably some, some sort of connection in name, yeah. but yeah. So uh, the band rehearsed with each member taking turns on vocals with Sumner ultimately taking the role for the simple fact that he was the only one that could sing while playing (laughs) guitar at the same time. And wanting to complete the lineup with someone they knew well and whose musical skill and style was compatible with their own, New Order invited Morris's girlfriend, Jillian Gilbert, to join the band as the keyboardist and an additional guitarist. So that then formed the band of New Order. By combining post-punk with an increasing influence from electronic dance music, New Order became one of the most critically acclaimed and influential bands of the 1980s, even though their earlier years were shadowed by the legacy of the basic sound of Joy Division. The band's 1983 hit Blue Monday is currently considered to be the best-selling 12-inch single of all time. New Order were a flagship band for the Manchester-based independent record label Factory Records. Their uh, unlabeled album sleeves and non-image reflected the label's aesthetic of doing whatever the relevant parties wanted to do, including Mm -hmm. an aversion to including singles as album tracks. Because of the band's dance rock genre, it has a complex discography with many well-known songs not featured on studio albums or released in a variety of mixes. So they kind of really fucked around with the idea of what it was to put out hit singles yeah. and stuff like that. Huh. So this track or this album, Low Life, is the third studio album by New Order and is considered to be among their strongest work, displaying the moment in which the band completed its transformation from post-punk holdovers to dance rock, which is not exemplified on this track yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. The album's artwork is the only New Order release to feature photographs of the band members on its cover, actually. By default, uh, drummer slash keyboardist Stephen Morris is on the front cover of the album, but the CD version features four photographs inside the case, so you can kind of switch which artist you want to be the cover of your (laughs) album. Uh, So let's talk about this track, Elegia. Or Elegia. I don't know how to pronounce it. If it's I always Latin, say Elegia. If it's I, in Latin, it would be Elegia. Okay. Or Elegia. Elegia. Because, so, I mean, yeah, Latin is basically it. It is. It, it is. is. Elegia. 
But Elysia. Elysia, Legia. If you're British, maybe. This track is an unusual piece for New Order in that not only is it an instrumental track, but it's actually a waltz. Mm-hmm. And if anyone doesn't know what a waltz is, a waltz... Then go to school, you Philistine. <laughs> you dinguses. You dingus. You plebes. <laughs> Uh, a waltz is a ballroom and folk dance, normally in triple time, performed primarily in close position with another dance partner. And by triple time, it means one, two, three, one, two, two three, three, one, two, three, which if you say while yeah. you're listening to the song, it should line up. So in partner dancing, close position is a category of positions in which the partner holds each other while facing at least approximately towards each other. And mm-hmm. they dance around in one, two, three forms. So elegia is the Greek word for elegy. And in English literature, an elegy is a poem of serious reflection, typically a lament for the dead. Mm-hmm. But an interesting thing about elegy, as the Oxford Handbook notes, for all its pervasiveness, the elegy remains remarkably ill-defined, sometimes used as a catch-all to denominate texts of a somber or pessimistic tone, sometimes as a marker for textual mo- monumentalizing, and sometimes strictly as a sign for a laminate of the dead. So it kind of has a vague definition while it is widely used mm-hmm. throughout culture. The band have stated that the song was written in memory of Ian Curtis, the deceased lead singer of Joy Division. The song was famously used in Mark Osborne's Academy Award-nominated stop-motion short called More. Have you ever seen this? No, I've never seen this. So this is actually how I was introduced to this song. I, I used to be like a huge YouTube junkie, and I stumbled across this old claymation called More. It's all capitals, M-O-R-E. Hmm. Moore tells the story of an inventor who lives in a drab, colorless world. Day by day, he toils away in the harsh, dull, and dehumanizing job, and his only savior being the memories of the bliss of childhood. And at night, he secretly works on an invention that helps him relive those memories and spread their joy to everyone else in the despair-filled life. When he finishes the invention, it changes the way people look at the world, but it does not change the world itself. And his success, his success changes him, but he kind of loses an important part of himself because he kind of becomes an oppressive manager of the world that he hated to begin with. It's on mm. you. I'll post the link to this. It's really powerful and sad, and the song just amplifies all of these feelings. And in 1993, drummer Stephen Morris stated in an interview that the album version of Elegia was a five-minute edit of a 17-and-a-half-minute recording. And then, as the internet became widely available, a poor-quality MP3 allegedly of this recording surfaced in the mid-90s. And actually, it wouldn't be until the release of the completion box set Retro in 2002 by New Order that a full official recording saw light of day, and it actually happened to be hmm. that shitty MP3. I had that shitty MP3 before it was nice. officially released. And I will say, while I appreciate the 17 and a half minute version of the song, <laughs> it is a bit indulgent. And I can understand why they made a five-minute cut of it. Like, if you really, really dig this song, the 17-and-a-half-minute version is awesome. (laughs) But if it's not your cup of tea, you're not going to have a good time listening to that song. So what did you think of this track? 
I mean, I'm I'm biased because like Joy Division, I listened to them like way back, like high school, like so I, I'm extremely biased. Anything Joy Division or New Order, I can't say I know New Order as well as Joy Division because Joy Division, I would just listen like every album inside and out. But yeah, this is a great song. I think this is a fant- fantastic song that shows how to have. I think melodies that are so well done that the song has no single easy emotion. It never sounds it sound at times it'll sound a little triumphant, but it's never like like yeah. And it obviously sounds kind of like gloomy. It's, but it's never totally gloomy. No, either. it's not. And it's never and it's just like perfect. And yeah, it, it's a in yeah, it's just a great song. And that kind of haunting keyboard synth reminds me of John Carpenter's Halloween in a way. I, I don't know if you no, thought that no, too. No, I, I can hear that. I, I can just watched, hear that. I just watched that again, which I love. I love John Carpenter's synth. That's like 80s to me in a nutshell. But it's similar, kind of like hypnotic. Yeah. But yeah, no, I love this song. This is a great song. Especially when that keyboard comes in the like it's so 80s sounding but not in a bad way (laughs) Mm -mm. a lot of times when you say this sounds so 80s that's a very negative thing. yeah like it's ham this is a good thing yeah this is good i love this track yeah it's brooding it's somber it's triumphant it's emotive it's atmospheric yeah it's it's not overly simple but it's not overly complicated either yeah it's a perfect it kind of floats in the the happy medium yep. of the sonic range. Yep. And I feel like it does a good job at keeping the listener's attention, especially for a band that doesn't traditionally make instrumental music. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. they sound like pros at yeah. instrumental. Yeah, tracks really. They, yeah, they could have, they could have gone ambient. Or yeah. Cause at some points, the synth almost sounds kind of like Gregorian chant. There yeah. are a few points where it was like very sonic, which is, yeah, very impressive for, a band that used to be like punk, post punk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like heavily. Yeah, it's like very. I mean, serious thinkers in that band. Yeah. And yeah, it's great angular, dark melody, and I love the guitar. It's not distorted, but it's not completely clean. No, it's like it's a nice. Not. It's a nice sounding guitar that I honestly hearing this song again. I was like, I, I don't. Maybe I'm totally wrong. So you say again. So you've heard this before. Yeah, I've heard it before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I was it, the guitar. It almost doesn't sound like the kind of guitar saying you hear in a lot of 80s songs either. No. I don't know, which I loved. It it, it added a lot of nuance to the keyboard synth, which you hear a lot now when people think of 80s. So it was a great, yeah, balance of sounds. Yeah, I love love this song. Yeah, and um, I really loved, and this goes back to, like, my new metal post-rock love, right around the four-minute seven mark, the guitar gets just slightly more aggressive. Yeah, yep. and it was like, yeah, it's, it like it hit me so hard. Yeah, because it's, nice, it's just yeah. like, yeah, kind of smash. Yeah, yeah, because it's it, not too much. It's no, not it's too not much. too much. But in the in the text of the song, it hits hard. It does. Yeah, yeah. which is because yeah, especially very nice. it really builds up to it because it comes like in the last like forty seconds yep. of the track. Yeah, right when you might think it's starting to like fade out. Yeah, kind of. Hits you a little bit, yeah, yeah which is great. Oh, and I fucking love this song. Yeah, no and new I, orders. I highly recommend checking out that stop motion more. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I it didn't know that. Pairs perfectly with that film. Nice, nice. Like that, that nice mix of like 
drab, oppressive depression with triumphant bliss and yeah it's a nice mix of emotions nice kind of bittersweet yes melancholy nice no yeah this is a great song yeah. too i mean i i don't have much more to say about it other than it is a quaint rich and densely layered track yeah and it's great yeah yeah it's a great song highly it's a serious it waltz it's not a playful waltz. It's like it's a yeah, it's like waltz. the Coen Brothers, a serious man, yeah, but it's a serious yeah, waltz. Yeah, it's a serious waltz. That's what you've been called, a serious. A waltz. serious waltz. <laughs> All right, any other thoughts? On no, no, no. Except New Order, Joy Division. Check it out. Check them out. They're fantastic. All right, let's talk about Pictures in the Golden Room by Chimera. Chimera. Is it because they spell a little? They different. spell it a little different. It's pronounced Chimera, but uh, it's not spelt like the. Tri- the traditional like Greek mythological creature chimera. That's so punk. It's so. That's it's so, metal, Dominic. That's it's so metal. metal. <laughs> that's so metal. 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 So this is off the 2003 album, The Impossibility of Reason. Chimera was an American heavy metal band from Cleveland, Ohio. They formed in 1998, and the group was a, no- a notable member of the new wave of American heavy metal scene. Mm-hmm. The new wave of American heavy metal scene, commonly abbreviated as N-W-O-A-H-M, so Nwahoam. Wait, wait, wait. Spell it again? N-W- N-W-O-A-H-M. What? Nwahoam. I've never heard of this. New wave of wow. American heavy metal. <laughs> wow. I've never heard of this movement. It is a heavy metal music movement that originated in the United States and Canada during the early to mid-1990s. Nahuam includes a wide variety of styles including alternative metal, groove metal, industrial metal, new metal, and metal core. Due to the wide variety of bands that belong to the movement, it's difficult to apply a defined sound. Hmm. Though longtime metal author Gary Sharp Young classified it as a marriage of European style riffing and throaty vocals. Throaty vocals. Uh, the band's name is derived from the word chimera, which, according to Greek mythology, is a monstrous, fire breathing hybrid creature composed of the parts of more than one animal. It's usually depicted as a lion with the head of a goat arising from its back and the tail that might end with a snake's head. And actually, in genetics, a chimera is a single organism composed of cells of different zygotes. This can result in male and female organs in the same creature, two blood types, or subtle variations in form. So Mm. there is a practical application of the term chimera. Wow. So this album, The Impossibility of Reason, is the second studio album by Chimera. It debuted at number 117 on the Billboard 200 charts and shifted around 200,000 copies in the U.S. to date. The song Pure Hatred off this album was used in an episode of Mythbusters during a segment (laughs) called Talking to Plants, in which they played different kinds of music to plants to see how it would affect their growth. Yeah. I'll post a link. I How have a, did it affect the growth? I actually, I didn't watch the full thing, it but I killed them. I did find a clip. I think the myth was busted. I don't. Mm. I might be wrong about that. I'll post the clip so you can watch it. I didn't watch it all, but I did yeah. find it. Huh? You'll have to find out the. I did it for the mystery for our listeners. Yeah. They'll have to find out. I'll check it out. So this track, "Pictures in the Golden Room," 
I don't know if you stumbled across this, but it's about Stephen King's The Shining. Oh, it is? Okay. Yep. Uh, lead singer and only constant member of the band, Mark Hunter, has stated that this song is literally about Stephen King's The Shining. Some mm. of the lines you can pick from it that apply to the story more directly... Can it shine through this? Will it ever shine? The pictures in the golden room. Mm. Uh, cold winter chills. No one escapes. Will this ever end? This is the final maze. Uh, four, ear, four eyes staring. Such evil eyes. Picture them no longer alive. So, yeah. This is your typical metal band singing about a horror movie that they like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what did you think of this track? I thought it was a solid kind of like um, heavy slash death metal-y band. It had like the uh, heavy drum and bass with riffs, distortion, screaming vocals that are about very dark content lyrically, right? Yeah. That's kind of, to me, covered the bases. Uh, you know, it was more like just an opportunity for... Cause I'm not saying that, like, death metal or heavy metal or metal... I would say this is kind of like a death metal song, maybe. Like, if death metal is considered really broad, so such a broad umbrella, you could put other micro-genres under it. Would you say it's death metal? I wouldn't, just because of how clean and Too clean. audible okay. the vocals are. The vocals, okay. I can understand what he's saying. Okay, okay. If you can... If you can go all the way back to our first episode, then it's if not. If you go de- back to the lactating blood the... song, where it's like, yeah. that's gotta be the death like, metal. Okay. Death metal is so intense that you have no idea what the fuck is going okay. on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. These. This. Are I mean, cleaner. the best way I could put it, this is like straight up American heavy metal. Just heavy metal. Like I, okay. I can't think of a better way to describe yeah. Kinder other than that. They don't. Yeah. F- they don't go. This might kind of give away what I think, but they're like they're like so generic of a metal band. Yeah, it seems like a it's template. Like yeah, they don't a template of... they don't tip in any direction yeah. far enough to necessitate further description. Yeah, they're not grindcore. They're not speed metal. They're not black metal. They're not death metal. They're yeah. just they're like straight up heavy metal metal ass metal band yeah they're very yeah to me it sounded like a template for just like yeah heavy something you could build upon yeah yeah and but what kind of it also gave me an opportunity to think a little bit more about the kind of heavy metal genre and part of me is okay so like it is part in part characterized right by like distorted guitar yes right and and that really kind of makes it a much more about rhythm than melody in any way whatsoever. Because I'm sure the guitarists are doing different things melodically, but it just sounds like a wall of sound. That's just it's like the vocals. Yeah. The instrumentation is like and so it's just. I'm not saying I'm critiquing it, but it it kind of keeps it. That's honest to God why I think I kind of like new metal. Why I feel like new metal is a lost genre that maybe someone will pick it back up. Because new metal had the heavy tendencies, but you could hear the instrumentation periodically enough that you could actually hear melodies come True. through, even on the bass. 
But here, the melody, and now I'm not even really talking about the song. I mean, we both agreed the song is like just template heavy. So now it's just it's like. It's not bad, but it's forgettable. Yeah, it's not, exactly. But part of me is like, again, I'm a new metal apologist because I feel like the heavy. It's good if you're in that mood. Every you know time, what I mean? You every, want to shit. Every time you say I'm a new metal apologist, I like you more. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah? All right. Yeah. Right on. You're with me. Okay. You're yeah. with me. Because I've like been like a closeted new metal yeah. fan for like yeah. since eighth grade. Yeah. Like, I joined the new metal train right when it was starting starting to be like shameful to like new metal. Someone's got to pick it back up. Do because you know, there's a lot there. Speaking honestly. of that, Corn and Limp Bizkit have started a kind of like new metal Label revival thing? well no uh, they're doing a tour this oh, wow. year in wow. europe where it's kind of like the re-emergence of new metal wow hey man I, there's a lot there i think that uh fucking um mr bungle they need to go on tour with their disco volante and everyone will be converted i will say everyone will be converted come on Mr. Bungle is so much better than Corn and Limp Bizkit. <laughs> they are, but they so much better. Would than you Corn. say Disco Volante? It, it it's like oh. new metal. Before yeah, but that's also like avant garde jazz. That's what it'll influence. take. That's what it'll take. That's what it'll take. Revive it. Because like <laughs> new metal essentially is you take metal music and mix it with hip hop influence. Yeah, that, that's your like quintessential yep. new metal takeaway. The addition of avant-garde jazz That's what is way above Cornelin <laughs> Biscuit's head. Yeah, true. Their brains would like melt and drip out their nose yeah. if you were to try to get them to like get on board with something true. like that. True. True. But no, 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 no. I think. But this song. Yeah, which is kind of almost an insult. This song made me realize how better other genres of metal yeah. are. <laughs> it's it's a decent, yeah, it's straightforward not heavy metal song. You could but... never say it's bad, but you could never say it's great. And it's. You can never say it's great. It's, it's constituted to be average. It's a bit... It's overproduced, yeah. I would say. Like, And I also... I was not a fan of the clean vocals. Yeah, the, yeah, the now that you mentioned... The clean singing vocals really deterred from my liking of the song. Yeah. And... I mean, the idea of the song is a bit creative. But it's also... Trite in that... Yeah. <laughs> Heavy metal musicians singing about books and movies they like. It's it's so easy to yeah. like like just oh, dark. I don't have to come yeah. with an idea. Stephen yeah. King already wrote it for yeah. me. And his screaming actually is it's a bit wimpy. It's not all that intense. I would say as a connoisseur of yeah. screaming, it sounds like they did some studio tricks to make it sound a little more intense than it actually was now i've seen chimera in concert actually oh really not intentionally <laughs> they um do you remember the adult swim show metalocalypse yeah so the band in that show death clock they actually toured in real life brendan small from home movies is the creator of that show and he led that band death clock toured actually and Chimera opened for them. Really? So yeah. I went to go see Death Clock with my friend Joe Gilmore and Kirsten Dorn. And Chimera just so happened to be opening for nice. them. <laughs> and I mean, they put on yeah, an enjoyable show. Yeah. They also ruined... I never saw it. But they ruined the, the movie The Happening for us. 
How? The uh, what's his fucking face? Oh, the happening. What's Wait, was that with Mark Wahlberg and M Night yeah, Shyamalan's? M Night Shyamalan's yeah. movie, The Happening. Yep. In the middle of one of their songs, they just stopped all the music and said. We just saw the movie The Happening, and it was the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> Let me save you all the trouble. It was the plants that were killing everyone. Oh, they literally they just, you the Yeah, and then they just wow. went right back into the song. That's, that's like, kind of badass. Hey, buddy, I might have seen that at some <laughs> point in time. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. My overall thoughts are meh. It wasn't bad. It yeah. wasn't good. It was just kind of meh. It's very constitution is to be average. Yeah. It can never be. You, no one could ever say it's bad, but no one could ever say it's great. It's just a template hard metal, heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye, Kamira. Yeah. Bye bye, Kamira. See ya, Kamira. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our, our final track, "Baba" by Sigurros off the 2004 album. Baba Tiki Doo. Baba Tiki Doo. You got it. Uh, Sigurós is an an Icelandic post rock band from Reykjavik, Iceland, who've been active since 1994. They are known for their ethereal sound, uh, frontman Jonsi's falsetto vocals, and the use of a bowed guitar. The band's music is also noticeable for its incorporation of classical and minimalist aesthetic elements. Aesthetic. Aesthetic vaporwave. <laughs> the band is named after Yonzi's younger sister, Sigurós Ellen, who was born a few days before the band. While the words Sigur and Rose respectively mean victory and rose, the phrase victory rose victory. would not be cr- grammatically correct in Icelandic, uh-huh. so it's kind of a play on words. But literally translated, their name means Victory Rose. Shortly after forming as a band, they won a record deal with the local Sugar Cubes owned record label. And just a reminder for the listeners, the Sugar Cubes were Bjork's first band ever. So her band, the Sugar Cubes, had a record label in Reykjavik. And... Based off of a performance of Sigur Rós, they actually won a record deal with this record label. Nice. It's called Bad Taste Records. <laughs> and it was actually because they thought Yonzi's falsetto vocals were very cute and would appeal to teenage girls. Yeah. That's I how they got that. the... Which is ironic because <laughs> he's homosexual. Um, they are also known for Von Lenska which is the non-literal, unintelligible gibberish lyrics that are sung on some of the songs by Sigur Rós. In English, we call it Hoplandic. Hoplandic. So one of Sigur Rós's biggest selling points is that they have a gibberish language that they sing in on some of their tracks. Which is funny because um, Americans, we would never we would know never one way or the other. The fucking we could difference. never know. We would never know. No. Uh, so the name... Takes it takes its name from the track Vaughn and also the album Vaughn, which is Sigurosa's first album. And Vaughn literally means hope. Named after Stevie Ray Vaughn, right? <laughs> yes. Their biggest influence. Stevie Ray Vaughn, his real name is Stevie <laughs> Ray Hope. Because it's actually Sigurros Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> Vaughn means hope in Icelandic. So that's why Americans call it Hopelandic, because it's Vaughn land like uh, and also why I call him Stevie Ray Stevie Hope. Stevie Ray Hope. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> it's technically a form of glossinalia, which is a fluid vocalization of speech-like syllables that lack any readily comprehended meaning. Mm. And in some cases, it's part of religious practices in which it's believed to uh, have a divine language uh, unknown to the speaker, like speaking in tongues, uh, being taken by the spirit. Hopalandic has no fixed syntax and differs from constructed languages that can be used for communication. It focuses entirely on the sounds of language and lacks grammar, meaning, and even distinct words. Instead, it consists on emotive, non-lexical vocables and phenomes. In effect, Hoplandic uses melodic and rhythmic elements of singing without conceptual content or language. So this track- It's in the Seinfeld of music. Yeah. It's music about nothing. What's the deal with no <laughs> language and grammatical yeah. meaning? It's literally a band about nothing. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> language hey, about hey, nothing. Yeah. Hey, hey. That's what Cigaros, the yeah. Seinfeld of the music. Seinfeld music. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't lose all of our subscribers yet, we just lost them. <laughs> so this album, <laughs> Baba Tiki Didoo. <laughs> Baba Tiki Didoo. Doo Originally it was doo doo, but doo. See, see now. Here's the thing: in Icelandic, doo doo it means nothing, and they thought they had it, but then they had to sell out to the corporate reps in America, and they said, went to doo doo. They said no, no to the doo doo. So yes, yes to the doo doo. Yep. So so even cigaros has their limits. <laughs> Originally it was baba tiki doo doo. Right? Uh, yes. <laughs> that is 100% factually yeah. right based off of my research. Oh, yeah. So in 2003, both Sigur Rós and Radiohead... <laughs> Actually, it was really booby-dicky-doo-doo. <laughs> booby-doo-doo. <laughs> Just booby-dee-doo. <laughs> and, then, and then the U.S. rep was like, nah. All right. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so, so it's baba-tiki-dee-doo. But then we just did it to... Booby titty doo doo. Yeah, that's is what the it American was, yeah. import of it. No, that's Booby what titty doo yeah. doo. That's what he just said naturally. The glossophilia. He was just like boo boo tiki doo doo. Yeah, and it was a hit. It was a huge hit in Iceland. I'm surprised you didn't see this in the Wikipedia page. I try to post it there every day. They keep taking it down. Huge hit in Iceland. <laughs> and then the Warner Brothers was like, no. Nah. Well, see, little does anyone know that Sigur Rós are actually huge fans of Stephen Cleaner. Of doo-doo? <laughs> Cleveland Steamers. Cleveland. They like taking shits on <laughs> women's chests. That's why it's called booby titty doo-doo. That's their thing. But see, in Iceland, that's meaningless. Yeah. So when they do it, everyone's like, whoa. But here, we're like, oh. But here, it's got a bad con- connotation. You know? But for the a select <laughs> few, it really resonates with yeah. them. They love boobies and titties and doo-doo. <laughs> So you, but to them, it's just I mean, you know. Yeah, this is the stuff you wouldn't get on any other podcast. You know, the hard. And if hitting. you think this is hard hitting, you should check out Shuffy. <laughs> yeah, they Shuffy. Go deep into the Shuffy dot erg. Holy Shuffy dot erg goes so deep into the booby titty doo doo. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to call conspiracy. You in this, uh, yeah, conspiracy. So, Baba Tiki Dee Doo. <laughs> In 2003... It sounds dirty now, man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> In 2003, both Sigur Rós and Radiohead collaborated with Maurice Cunningham for his dance piece titled Split Sides. Uh, Maurice Philip Cunningham is an American dancer and choreographer 
who was at the forefront of the American modern dance movement for more than 50 years. He is notable for his frequent collaborations with artists of other disciplines, including musicians John Cage, David Tudor, and artist Robert Rushenberg and Bruce Newman. And Stevie Ray Vaughan. And Stevie Ray... Hope. Hope. Uh, and the works that he produced with these artists had a profound impact on the avant-garde art beyond the world of dance. So basically, he <laughs> approached Radiohead and Sigur Rós to score this dance piece that he choreographed. Wow. The Baba Tiki Didu EP is the collection of songs that Sigur Rós composed for the dance piece. And the beyond the doo-doo. Yes, beyond the doo-doo. <laughs> And the title refers to the only spoken words throughout the whole piece. <laughs> Actually, on one of the tracks on this EP, there is a sample of Maurice Cunningham saying Baba Tiki Baba Didu. And those are actually the only lyrics <laughs> featured on the EP on the track Didu. Are you sure he's not saying doo-doo? Because, again, <laughs> I don't want to get too deep. God damn it. <laughs> I'm trying to draw this back in. I don't want to get too deep into the conspiracy. So Radiohead <laughs> never released their contributions to this dance piece. Seeger Rose were the ones that did. Because he was way too fecal, yeah. dude. They were <laughs> way too fecal. Oh, I'm going to quit this podcast. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, <laughs> if you want to hear Radiohead's contributions, I found a video of the dance piece. So you can see the dance piece. He's still just laughing. <laughs> He's just cracking himself up. <laughs> I have a, vi a video of the whole dance piece with both Sigur Rose's music and Radiohead's music if you want to hear the Radiohead pieces. So let's talk about this song, Baba. Or as Dominic would say, booby. <laughs> actually, the weird, that's how you say booby in Icelandic. Yeah. And they're tricking us. Yeah, Dominic's actually <laughs> fluent in Icelandic. Yeah. Yep. I'm the only American. The, so I'm the, the only, only one who one. can expose it. Shuffy.earth. He's telling you out. the things that Icelandics yeah. don't want you yeah, to exactly. hear. Yeah, exactly. So this track, it's a very straightforward instrumental track from Sigur Rós. Now, I don't mean straightforward in the general sense. Yeah. But, but I mean straightforward for a Sigur Rós yeah, track. Yeah, it's a boilerplate Sigur Rós song. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a very safe sound for them, and it's very much so in their wheelhouse. That being said, it's a beautiful, song. It's, a yeah. beautiful yeah, it's a beautiful, densely textured and layered atmospheric track. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what did you think of this? Yeah, the exact same. This is like... The Cigaro sound. Yeah. This is like the most Cigaro, Cigaro little toy. It's got the little tinkling toy and the like. Yeah, the little toy Glockenspiel xylophone sound. It's got just a little bit of like artificial like recording fuzz. Like. Yeah, that's the texture I spoke of. And it's got that kind of windswept sonic and the. And it's dreamy and there's kind of like little voice yeah, voices yeah. in the background. And it's a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. And it has that sense of wonder and awe. Yeah, that that's exactly what I wrote. Awe and wonder yeah. and mystery. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's like And it kind of like um walks that thin line between like soothing and eerie yeah. in some ways. Yep. Yep. Kind of melancholy, but more hopeful. Yeah. Kind and of it, it kind of feels like jam. something's about to happen. Like yeah. it's the precursor for a larger event that is about to unfold. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, personally, I couldn't help but feel like just 
the doo-doo vocals. <laughs> the doo-doo vocals. Just knowing that they got deleted, I feel like there's a little something missing, but that just might be my... <laughs> it's strictly Dominic's opinion. Personal opinion. Or sorry, Derricka's Yeah, Derricka. Just, you know, just knowing that, that Tom York was kind of humming doo-doo for a while, but, you know. Or Thom Yorkie. Thom Yorkie. <laughs> As they say in Iceland. As they say in Iceland. <laughs> and on Shuffle. Thom no, but, Yorkie. No, but this is a good song. Yeah. It's almost hard. The way you s- described it is kind of... some. I think we both listen to Sigaros a lot and we like them a lot. So then hearing this song, we're, I think we were both kind of like, yeah, okay. It feels standard, safe. Yeah, yeah, standard Sigaros song. But it's a great song. I don't want to undersell it. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. It's a great song. Yeah, but they're like, masters They of this can kind of achieve genre. heights yeah. way beyond this yeah. track. But it's now, a great song. Within the context of composing a piece for a dance, I can understand why they wouldn't want to like overpower the the dancers. Yeah. So for a song composed by Seeger Rose for a dance piece, I feel like this is as good as it could possibly get. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it is it, it, it's finely crafted. It's kind of playful and inspiring in some ways and it's yeah. it's enjoyable overall. There's nothing yeah. offensive or off-putting about this no, track. No, not even close. It's simply sonically enjoyable. Yeah. It's not yeah, not especially memorable, but you will enjoy it. Yes. You'll enjoy it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, favorite track, New Order. I yeah. the New whole Order. yeah, that's Gotta New be. Order, Allegia, Legia. Yeah. Elegia yeah. has to be my favorite track. Yep. But the Baba Tiki Doo Doo, if that gets released, that's like hit number one. But uh, number two, you mean? Yeah, no. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's a nice, nice. Yeah, it'll be my oh my number two. I hope the I hope nice. the microphones caught our high five. Yeah, that was nice. You can if not, here, it. let's do it yeah, right in front of your microphone. Whoa, so many high fives. The whole team, the whole crew here. All 25 of us, <laughs> yeah. the shuffle crew. Yeah, the shuffle crew. Oh, All right. That, that'll wrap up this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you want to connect with us, if you want to submit music for us to talk about, please connect with us via social networks. Send us tracks you want us to talk about. Send us albums you want us to talk about. Send us genres you want us to talk about. Hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash shuffle, on Twitter at shuffle podcast, on Tumblr, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com, or send us an email at shufflecastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can always head on to our Amazon portal. Uh, if you go on to the page for this episode, which you could find at www.jrdsctt.com slash shuffle, click on the Amazon link on top and through that portal you just do your shopping as normal it doesn't affect the prices to you at all anything you buy Amazon gives us a little kickback for kind of helping support them so it's a win-win situation you get to do your shopping as normal everyone uses Amazon you can help support shuffle and the capitalist machine and the capitalist keeps machine. rolling over your bones yeah if you want everyone your, wins if <laughs> Everyone wins. That's the shuffle guarantee. Yeah, the shuffle guarantee is everybody wins. Capitalism will remain. Yeah. (laughs) And it will crush you. Yeah, just like (laughs) Ayn Rand said, mind the self indulgence. Exactly. Yeah. So go to Amazon, buy shit, help support us. Everyone wins. Everyone wins.
Uh, and then other than that, here are your, ep your tracks for episode 24, which will be coming in the near future after some other stuff. First track, December Snowflakes by Caddisfly. Second mm. track, Knee Deep by Job for a Cowboy. Third track, All Hell Breaks Loose by Misfits. Fourth track, Admit It by Say Anything. And your fifth and final track for episode 24 is Poison Oak by Bright Eyes. So check out those tracks. I'll make a playlist for you. Listen to them and then come listen to us talk about them. And other than that, thank you for listening. Have a good week. And Dominic, say something offensive. See Crest out. There you go. Bye. <laughs>